Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. Anyone watching the dollar this week, and that pretty much means all of us, can be excused for feeling a little giddy right now. On Tuesday, the dollar index dropped to its lowest level in 15 months. And hey, presto, it's gone and done a big rebound. So the big question, is the bull run over or has it still got plenty of life in it? I'm Roger Blitz and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the FX market. And this week in our studio is David Bloom, FX strategist at HSBC. David, you've been calling the end of the dollar bull run for quite some time. So we know what you're going to say, don't we? Yeah, of course you do. I mean, uh, April last year, we said it was the end of the dollar bull run. We were a little bit early, but I wasn't worried about that. By about November last year, we said now it's turned. Not only the end of the dollar bull run, but we're coming to a kind of bearish point for the dollar. So a currency going up between 25 and 50% against other currencies for one quarter little rate rise, to me, that was more than enough. Yeah. So it's done, it's over. If the Fed were going to raise rates four times this year and three times next year, fine. You want to be a dollar bull, go for it. But that hasn't happened. That has materially changed. So you need to materially change your view. Okay, so the dollar is just having a little bit of a rally, but it's not going to last that long. I wouldn't call that a rally, you know. Even, <laughs> uh, you know, as they say, this is a trend. And the trend is, yeah. I think, a downward move in the dollar now. And Look, the U.S. was meant to normalize. It was meant to be in the world of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And the dollar and the U.S. was the one-eyed man. But actually, it's got all the problems everyone else has got, and the Fed is not delivering a normalization program. So why should the dollar have gone up 25 to 50%? So we're getting a bit of unwinding of last year's yeah. thinking. And, and one of the uh, influences is this attempt to try and stabilize market turmoil of earlier this year. And you made a call that... You thought, actually, there was peace had broken out between central banks. Yeah, I was a bit nervous. I called it give peace a chance after Lenin. And basically because I thought the peace could fall apart quite easily, like the Japanese intervention, for example. They keep threatening it, haven't done it. Sweden is still threatening a currency intervention. But I think the big boys changed. Mm. I think the euro in the way the ECB just tried to do negative rates and stepped away and says it's not even interested in helicopter money, the way the Bank of Japan moved away. We got to the limits of monetary policy as far as QE was concerned, and therefore we needed a pullback. And also, I think they were drawing maybe China into the debate, which would have been harmful for them. So everyone stepped away from the brink. And I think the currency wars is largely over and peace has broken out. OK, but where do we place fundamentals here? Because we've got payrolls coming up. So how do we assess the importance of fundamentals and how they impact on the FX market if at the same time 
all the US and Yellen are trying to do is just trying to calm down the markets? Well, I think the, the answer is simple. I mean, if you get a big payroll tomorrow, people will think, oh, the Fed may raise rates. The governor the other day said, oh, this is a live meeting. And suddenly the market will go, yeah, actually, it is a live meeting. And interest rate expectations will rise. People will get a fright. The dollar will rally. Equities will probably have a hard time. And bonds, but, you know, I'm not sure what they will do, because mm. on the one hand, we could go risk off, which should be good for bonds, but a higher number isn't really good for bonds. So the bond market is much more puzzling. But for FX, stronger number, stronger dollar, weaker number, weaker dollar. For once in my life, it's simple. Okay. And what's also quite plain out of this give piece of chance is the fact that the strength of the euro and the strength of the yen is actually playing very neatly into the hands of the People's Bank of China. And yeah, Absolutely. And that's very good for emerging markets because the fear in January and where EM was doing terribly, commodity markets were still falling, was, you know what, this is destabilizing China. China might need a one-off devaluation of the currency. It's nothing we ever believed at at HSBC, but the market was hungry for that mm. view. But now that the Eurozone and the Japanese have stepped away, suddenly on a trade-weighted basis, the remember is weakening. So why should they need a one of devaluation of the currency? And they don't need it. And we've seen, you know, dollar remember starting to move quite aggressively and moving down rather than up. So that happens. And then you think, okay, so that's quite good for financial markets. You know, China financial stability is there. And commodities start to rally and the dollar bull market's over. And we're not worried about the Fed and the cost of capital. And suddenly we're in a risk on world and we're loving emerging markets. Because a lot of us were saying, well, actually, yes, let's tentatively dip our toes back into EM. But let's be selective about that. Now, that's what you used to say, but you're changing your tune a bit. Aren't yeah, you? we are. We've uh, unfortunately... Sometimes we write research and then come to the conclusion rather than coming to the conclusion and then writing the research. So what we were talking about is being selective in EM. And we said, look, be selective. Now we've written a piece on risk on, risk off. And we say this world may be back and either you're risk loving or risk hating. So we looked at the performance of currencies from February the 11th when the S&P was at its kind of low. And we found out that the most high beta risky currencies have performed the best. Right. It didn't help to be selective. So actually, that went against some of the things we were saying. So yes, we, you know, you would have made some money being selective, but you wouldn't have really outperformed. What you really had to do was buy the high-risky currencies, close your eyes, not listen to any of the local language, and you would have outperformed. Now, if you're arguing tomorrow, a big payroll number will take us risk off, then the high-beta currencies will underperform, the low-beta currencies will perform, and we'll just swing from one side to the right. other. So in effect, what we're saying is the math beats the narrative. And you can't argue with the mathematics. And they're telling you that the high risky stuff performs on a risk on environment and the low risk stuff, a risk off environment. So rather than trying to work out local, what we're trying to work out is how do you get from a high risk or risk on world to risk off world? I mean, it's incredible that it's taken a period of stability to come to that kind of a courageous view. Because if you'd held that view, back in middle of January or back at the beginning of February, I'm going to indiscriminately go uh, risk on. People would have thought you were barking mad. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's the problem often with markets is people say, oh, you know, nobody gets it right. But it's very difficult to go against the market when everyone's like bearish EM. So it was just enough for us to say, look, it's a purple patch for EM. It's a bright spot for EM. Be selective. Yeah. You know, some months later, we do some research to say it's a risk on world. And actually, if you correlate 
the performances, a rank correlation coefficient, you get a 70% correlation. So, you know, you should have just bought Mexico and ruble and Aussie and CAD and, uh, you know, those kind of currencies, regardless of what you thought about oil prices, regardless of what you thought about commodities, you look for the higher beta currencies and you just bought them. Now, what does this mean if bad news happens? Bad news means good news? Is that the argument? Uh, yes, I think if, if you get some, not terrible news, but if tomorrow the payrolls is a bit of a miss by 30,000, 40,000, yeah. the market will go, hey, the Fed's not raising rates. Let's carry on buying EM. So this is what I'm saying can be puzzling for people who are new to FX and saying, one day you said a strong number is good for the dollar, and now yeah. you're saying a strong number is bad for the dollar. Mm. That's just the nature of how financial markets sometimes work. It's what is the reaction function of the Fed? Where are we? And I think that the ISM number non-manufacturing was pretty strong. The Fed are telling us it's a live meeting. And markets, we don't want to hear it's a live meeting. We want to hear the Fed's not going to do nothing. We can keep buying risk. But anything to change that, to jar us, to cause us to think the Fed will raise rates, must cause a reaction elsewhere. Yes. That'll be dollar positive. So how long can bad news carry on being good news? When does it start? becoming bad yeah. news? So this is a, a very good question. I mean, I think bad news sometimes turns where you're not looking for the Fed to raise rates, but now you're starting to worry about any type of growth in the United States. And now you're in a different position. Now you're thinking, you know what, this is very bad for risk. Maybe I should buy the dollar back again. So you get to these inflection points yeah. and you have the same thing with equities where you get good news and good news and suddenly a central bank wants to raise the cost of capital and people think that's bad for equities. So you get that in the equity market, but now it's come to the FX market and that's how we're thinking at the moment. But is that a very narrow path to tread? How much well, it's only been going for... on for five years, so perhaps <laughs> that might change at, at some point. But this risk-on, risk-off environment has been going on for quite a while now. And, uh, you know, the Fed's the only central bank seeming determined to raise interest rates. David, thank you very much, as ever, for your very, very exciting and uh, interesting views. That's David Bloom of HSBC. We will be back next week with Hard Currency. In the meantime, uh, do keep up to date with all the Forex news and analysis on ft.com forward slash markets. From Hard Currency, it's goodbye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our FT News podcasts which focus on one of the main issues of the day and bring you the insights and expertise of our global network of journalists, as well as outside contributors. You can download these at ft.com slash podcasts most days of the week.